So this is likely going to be our uh, last show of 2016. So I thought maybe we could uh, start the week by uh, both reflecting on just what an incredible, great, perfect year 2016 was. You first. Sure. Um, nope, I actually don't have anything. <laughs> I was, I was say, I was gonna say uh, this was the year that dog rates. Uh, started but no it's been a year uh so it started last year so you know what i was i was just thinking um remember when darth so darth was in hibernation at at the end of at at this time last year the end of 2015 and i think it was new year's eve or new year's day somewhere like right around the first of the year he came out of hibernation and then was you know doing his thing and then just like two weeks, maybe even less than two weeks into 2016, he had this really good tweet that was basically just like, can we all go to sleep and like pretend that these first two weeks of 2016 were just a nightmare and kind of like start over again? That was two weeks into the year. That was fairly prescient, I think. Although even Darth probably didn't know how much worse things would get. Mm Mm-hmm. No, this this is gonna be like one of those weird group therapy sessions. We're we're gonna find one good thing about the year. Uh, yeah, no we'll, matter how long we'll it takes, make... and you're and you're not, not going to edit out the silence because we'll this will give the the listenership, um, uh, our rich community of uh, people time to time. To um, well, you you uh, you purchased um, as a gift for for me the uh, a nice a nice fracture of our podcast logo. So that was a good, that was a good thing that happened recently. Yeah, yeah. Soon to be sponsor fracture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, you know, you. I think it was on our last show. Maybe you had sort of, or maybe this was even when we had seen each other in person recently, off off the air, as you prefer to say. I'm sort of, sort of, it's sort of become my thing to just like buy everything that I hear advertised on podcasts. So maybe I like, you know, John Syracuse has got his toaster thing. Maybe I. Maybe this is like my niche. Maybe I just, you know, go go full on and sign up for a uh what's that what's that one that's been on upgrade recently? Or igloo, like the the intranet service. <laughs> no, n- nobody's going to use that. <laughs> I don't understand why anybody would. Okay. All right, so yeah, that was cool. Um uh, this year, I I I ran a, a 10k and a half marathon. That was cool. That's right. That's right. I did yeah. some new stuff. I I immediately. I don't know if I ever talked about the half marathon, but yeah, I immediately regretted it right afterward because it was rainy and I felt like I was going to die at the end. Um, <laughs> it was really unpleasant after like at, at near the end. Mm-hmm. Oh well, actually, I don't want to. We'll go back to to your pick because I'm going to force you to pick something. But um, I was going to register for the San Francisco half or full marathon. Do you have any uh, guidance if I? completed the half marathon fine but did not enjoy it at the end should i do another half or should i it's not until july so i i did um four or five half marathons before i did a full marathon that makes sense um not a requirement i would say but certainly i felt much better about longer distances the more halves that i did so and i as a matter of fact i did one of the san francisco half marathons the year before i did the full marathon because you know the way that it works so what they do is they take the full marathon 
and then they split it in half. So you can either do the first half or the second half. I was looking at that, and it seems like everybody would probably want to do the first half. Well, because that's one um, that starts like either in Golden Gate Park or like on the Golden Gate Bridge. Like that seems like that's probably the more fun one. So it doesn't start down there. They all so the the full marathon and the first half start at the same place, which is near yeah. the ferry building on the Embarcadero. Mm -hmm. I actually would say that the Golden Gate Bridge was my least favorite part of the route of the full marathon route. Um. I think part of it is probably just because I, it, this is the area of the city that I live, and so the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, doesn't have much of an appeal to me, I guess, just because I'm I'm fortunate and I get to kind of see it every day. But then the other thing is, it's very very narrow. Like I'm 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 not really the type of person that gets super claustrophobic or anything, but you know, they only close. I think it's two lanes of the freeway. Uh, and, and you've got people because you know you go all the way across and all the way back so you take those two lanes or maybe it's three lanes in any case you split that in half for the portion that you have in the direction that you're going and then the morning that the marathon was on last year and given that it's in july it's it's kind of this way every year i would assume it was really foggy and so the road was really slippery it, it was it was not my not my favorite part of that run so I actually, I the year before, I had done the second half and actually really enjoyed that. Got it. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. All right. So scrapping plans to do the full one. Actually, I'm not sure if I'd ever want, I mean, I would want to try, but I'm not sure if I'd ever actually succeed it, at it. It was a, it was a bucket list item for me. I, I went into this marathon that I did this year knowing it was the one and only one I would ever do. Um... It, it was just something I felt like I needed to check off the list. Got it. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's something to work to, I think. I mean, the, the other thing, though, is the San Francisco Marathon is a, it's, it's a difficult route. It's, it's very hilly. Um, so there, there's... Well, I was looking at the elevation map, and it seemed like not that bad. It's not... There's just a, there's a couple of sections that are challenging. Got it. Um... But yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's it's something to aspire to for sure. Okay, I'd I'd, I'd recommend you you do that. You, you you totally could do that. Well, I I mean, without just walking the final ten miles, that's that's kind of the the fear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so yeah, that that's gonna be my pick. Uh, okay, you have to think of something. Okay, no, I think um, for me, twenty sixteen, I'll remember for uh, the traveling that I did. I I was was really fortunate this year and. Got to go to Mexico, got to go to Europe, um, got to do a lot of weekend trips. You know, it turns out little little weekend getaways are a heck of a lot of fun, particularly in the area that we're in where we've got so many different things, you know, within an hour to two and a half hours away. So did a lot more of that this year than I really ever have in the past. I didn't really do a lot of traveling growing up. We did some, but not, not a ton. Um, and so I, I, I feel very, feel very lucky that I got to do as much of that this year as, as I did and definitely have the, the itch where I, you know, want to continue to travel and, and see new places over the years to come. Very cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to be done with this shit year and we'll have a, <laughs> we'll have a, uh, we'll have a nice, um, as nice as humanly possible, uh, first through the 19th. Or we can kind of pretend that things are okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Anyway, yeah. so let's uh, let's let's close out this year by by talking about what we what we do best, which is this is this is this is the tech show, right? Also, remember that this uh, I banned that word a couple weeks ago. Tech? Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're not using that. Okay. What do we what what do we use? Did we come up with something? I don't think we did, but no, we're 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 just we're just gonna we're gonna trudge right along. Okay. Do they have you know in in Word you've you've got the kind of the synonym uh, function? Mm -hmm. Do they do they have the equivalent of that for podcasting? What do you mean? Can I just can I um, swap out the word tech for something else? Is there a way to automatically do that in Logic or something? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So we were we skipped two weeks. So we we've got a, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So uh, let's head it up with your, uh, I think, ninety percent complete smart home. Yeah. 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 So um, you know we've we've mentioned this on the show, and it's 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 been part of why the show's been a little bit more irregular um, recently. But uh, moved into a new apartment, a bigger space than I was in before, and. You know, I, I had dabbled a little bit with the smart home stuff in my previous apartment by getting Alexa and getting a couple. I just realized I should there turn off the microphone. On, also, that's not even her on, name on the Echo. What do you mean? It's not her name. Well, you didn't get an Alexa. You got an Amazon Echo. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that it didn't. Usually it's pretty sensitive. It didn't turn on when I said Alexa there. Anyway, just um, listening personally. Well, now she's got the the um, ominous red light on. Um, no, so I, I had I had the Alexa or had the Echo, sorry, and a couple of the Philips Hue lights, but didn't really do a ton with them. And in a studio apartment, you, you're a little bit more limited in really what you can do. Um, but I did I did like um, the the Philips Hue lights that I had in the studio, even though I didn't necessarily even do a fraction of what you could do with them um i I really liked the the concept and so moving into this one bedroom apartment now uh, the lady friend indulged me and and let me go kind of full full bore into the uh the phillips hue ecosystem so i before the show i kind of was tallying up what i've got so i've got six rooms set up with 12 lights in total, I've got six of the dimmer switches, one, one for each room. I've got two of the motion sensors, one in the bathroom, one in the closet. And then I've got a tap switch, which I had had in the old apartment. And if I was starting from scratch here in the new apartment, I probably wouldn't have bought one of those. But anyway, it, it works nicely as sort of like a bedside switch. So that's that's what it continues to do here. And overall, it it's really it's really a nice it's really a nice setup. The the motion sensors in particular, we really really enjoy. Um it's super cool with like the one in the bathroom for example, you can set certain times of the day, so kind of like the middle of the night where when it comes on, it comes on as like a nightlight, which is really pleasant. Um, same with the closet out here. It's really nice in the evening. If you have to go in there, you're not, you know, blinded by this super bright light. <clears throat> and then with, particularly with the one in the closet, it's also smart enough where during the day, if there's already enough light in the room, it just doesn't even turn itself on. So the motion sensors have kind of been the star of the show. 
um, in addition to just the, the dimming functionality has been awesome. Um, you know, I think with the way that our wiring is here in the apartment, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly old building, so there's not even like a neutral wire in all of the um, switch boxes. And so because it doesn't have that, from kind of what I've gathered, we really wouldn't even be able to get traditional dimmer switches uh, for the most part. And so it's been really great with a, you know, kind of low barrier to entry having dimmer lights um, all across the apartment. Um, <clears throat> there's still a lot, you know, still a lot I haven't really gotten into with with the lights. You know, there's functionality where you can have the lights automatically turn off when you leave, automatically turn on when you come home. Haven't really gotten into much of that stuff yet. Um, so still lots, still a little bit more tweaking to do around the edges, but overall, really, really like having smart lights all over the house. Well, I'm glad you went all in on it, and that's yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm I was surprised that uh, you got such blanket approval to do whatever you want with it, and that's yeah, that's really neat. Uh, it works out, you know the the lady friend has nicer taste in some of the furniture and accessories around the apartment, so. I indulge her with that, and then she indulges me with the tech stuff. And also, you know, I, I do, you know, I, I always do make the effort of showing that the tech stuff is not only cool, but it actually is functional. So, like, the dimmer lights we both really, really enjoy, and we also really like the motion sensors. And those, those, those two things are very functional. I'm very surprised you even went so far as to involve the closet and the bathroom. <laughs> uh, well, the bathroom, we, that I had the idea of even before we moved in. Um, it just, particularly in the middle of the night, having a motion sensor is really, really nice for a bathroom. And then just after having been here a couple of months with the closet, it became clear we could really use it in there too. So, um, that's worked out nicely. Um, so that, that's all the, that's all the, the, the positive things I'd say about the Philips Hue, which, which is the kind of the biggest component of the smart home thing I've got going. A lot, there's a lot there's a lot that's weird though i mean the the hue app and just the hue setup is very very limiting like what it does it does pretty well but if you want to go even a half step kind of outside of what it does no you can't well unless you go the third party app route which i'll i'll get to in a second can but, you give an example yeah so really good example is um <clears throat> with the um the dimmer switch, um, which is a great accessory. And again, we've got one in each room. Um, the thing I'll say real quick too, before I get to this example, that's a little, that's also not great, but it just, it, it is what it is. And this isn't a Phillips hue thing, but you know, you have to obviously leave your lights sort of like permanently on in order for these, for the, you know, the bridge to be able to talk to the lights. So, you know, throughout the apartment, we've got our traditional switch on the wall still, and then we've got the dimmer switch kind of just like next to the traditional switch. So visually, it's a little clunky. Um, there are some weird ways that I've looked into on the internet where people have taken their old switches out of the wall, permanently tied the electrical wiring together to, to have it so that the light was always on, and then it's kind of like adhere the dimmer switch over the empty um switch box but i didn't really want to go down that road because it's not even technically like up to code <laughs> so 
didn't go down that road. So it's, it's, so it's a little clunky. Um, but anyway, it, it is what it is. But anyway, so, so the example with these dimmer switches are they, you know, they can control a room. They, they can't control individual lights by default. So for example, the dimmer switch, which is in the bedroom, there are three lights in that room. There are two ceiling lights, and then there's a bedside light. And really what I wanted to do initially was to just have the dimmer switch control the overhead lights, not the bedside light. Mm -hmm. But using the default, using just the stock Philips Hue app, you cannot do that. Now, to their credit, they do support third-party apps, and they, they do so with open arms. I mean, they, they promote them on their website. Um, <clears throat> but those third-party apps also can only take you so far. So using the same bedroom example, so there's a app. I should look to see what this is called. It's, it's one of the more recommended ones. It's iConnect Hue, and it does have functionality, which allows you to have the dimmer switch control particular lights or particular sets of lights, even if they're, you know, in the same room. So with the bedroom, I was able to say, hey, when you click on, only turn on the ceiling lights. But it does not support functionality to do that with scenes. So the dimmer switch has functionality with the default Philips Hue app where if you tap the switch like a second time, you can have it go to a particular scene. But in the iConnect Hue app, when you have the switch control particular lights, all it can do is on or off. So you, you, can't, you can't do the, the scene setting for lights anymore. You can only do that for entire rooms. Um, and then like another clunky thing I would say about the Philips Hue app is, so it has functionality where you can log on with your Philips Hue account, you can give it location service permissions, and then you can have lights turn on or off automatically as you either leave or come home. So I did play around with that a little bit, but with the default Philips Hue app, you can only have one user. So if you're like me and you live with someone else, as we learned the hard way initially when we first moved in and I had this set up, if I left the apartment and the lady friend stayed home, all the lights would turn off. Um, so I, I, I connect to you, this third-party app I keep referring to. It evidently has functionality where you can have multi-user um, um, kind of coming home and leaving automation set up. I, I, it, it's an in-app purchase, and I, so I haven't really gone down that road yet. Um, but I will eventually, but... Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, overall, the Philips Hue stuff's really good. I really enjoy it, but it's just it's very it's very particular in the way that it works, um, and you really do have to kind of stay within those bounds. Okay, well, overall, it sounds like a, per, a pretty net positive. Like I think uh, he he was pretty fully baked. It's not like super bleeding edge in terms of the smart home stuff, and it doesn't feel like something that's going to be. Uh, made obsolete or incompatible anytime soon. So no, I, I think I think that's good. Um, but one of the things when uh, when we met up recently was uh, uh, you have Alexa kind of controlling the show, and that includes your like home theater stuff too. So yeah, so the other shoe that dropped recently with the the smart home stuff is I purchased a, a Logitech Harmony Elite 
uh, remote, which the, the part that really is relevant to the smart home stuff isn't really the remote itself, but the fact that the Elite remote comes with the Harmony Hub, which is their smart home solution. Um, so this this is a this is an expensive setup. The the hub with the Elite I think normally costs I think it's around three hundred and fifty dollars, uh, but over Black Friday, either a price mistake or a flash sale or something, there was a couple of hour period where uh, Amazon UK was offering the the Elite package with the hub for like one hundred and fifty US dollars with free shipping to the US. So I I purchased this and it you know it came with uk adapters but fortunately the input on both the charging cradle for the remote and the hub is just micro usb and i already have a bunch of micro usb cables laying around so i just kind of tossed the adapters and just used my own cables uh, so got got a good deal on on the hub and the uh, elite remote and i really can't say enough good things about the hub the 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 remote is good too uh but really the star of the show is the hub and there's there's a couple of reasons why i think it's awesome one is because the setup process which you can do on your computer but um i just did it all on my phone using the harmony app it is so so much better than the initial setup and even just kind of further configuration that you would normally do on previous Harmony controllers, ones without the the hub, like the the OS 10 software, I don't know if you've ever used it, but I mean, it, it's it's made in like Silverlight or something, or maybe it's even Flash. I don't know what it is, but like it, it's awful. Have you have you ever used it? Oh well, yeah, it's the it's the only one to, uh, only way to program. I, I have an old Harmony one from like 2010, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think it leaves I a lot think... to be desired. But it's okay. I think, I think the one is what I had previous to this with like the, the touchscreen, right? Yeah, I think that's what I had. Just really not good. But the the iOS app that they use for hub-based um, remotes is just fantastic. The initial setup process is super clean, super easy. The UI is really nice. Um, and then even now that everything's set up, whenever you want to go in and just tweak something or further configure something, it just, it could not be any better in the app. It's really, really great. Um, and then of course, another benefit with the hub is you can have all your electronics tucked away, um, in a cupboard somewhere because you don't, you don't need direct line of sight with the remote itself. The remote is communicating via Wi-Fi to the hub and then the hub acts as like an IR blaster. So you can just tuck that away in a cabinet along with all your gadgets and you're good to go. It even comes with um, IR blaster extenders that you plug into the back of the hub. So like with my setup, I've got most of the electronics in a cabinet, but then of course, like the TV and the sound bar are on top of the cabinet. So I've got an IR range extender that just kind of sits up on top of the cabinet and communicates with those devices. So that's really, really nice. Um, and then sort of the icing on the cake, which has really exceeded my expectations, is the um, Alexa integration. I think we talked about this on the show when it became news, but now I've actually um, had some experience with it. And it is, it's awesome. I mean, I think you got, you got to see a demo this last weekend. It's 
it's way more responsive than I thought it was going to be. I, I really did think there'd be like a sizable delay when you would do it, but it really is pretty quick. I mean, it definitely takes maybe a beat or two longer than if you use the remote itself, but overall it's it's pretty fast and it could not be any easier to set up. I mean, you, you really just log into your Harmony account in the Alexa app, you answer a couple of questions, you nickname your activities, you pick your favorite channels, and then that's it. And you're pretty much good to go. Um, and that's, that's proven to be really, really cool. And actually pretty, pretty practical. Like you know, if you're, we were just walking into the living room, remotes on the other side of the room, it's pretty cool being able just to walk in and say, you know, Alexa, turn the TV on. Um, that's been sort of the, that's been sort of the star, the star of the show so far with all the smart home stuff. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the kind of weird part of the setup. And in my opinion, like it, it seems like how often are you like, are you able to tune like the TiVo to a particular channel with it? So the way that channels work is you get to select favorite channels. I don't know how many you're limited to, although I think it's a pretty high number. Um, so any channel that you want to tune to using Alexa, you have to set it as a favorite. So you, you can't just say, go to channel 724 or something like that. Like mm -hmm. you actually have to have ESPN programmed as a favorite channel and then say, you know, go to ESPN. Yeah, I don't know. Like that. Yeah, that just just seems like I'm not sure how much time you're saving because doesn't um using either kind of like the new that new weird style Samsung remote or the Apple TV remote. Like if you were to just pick up the remote and hit the menu button on the Apple TV, doesn't that wake up the TV anyway? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you know, like the, the the most common use case so far has been have the TV on in the morning while getting ready for work. You know, all ready to go. Grab your backpack. And then just as you're walking out of the room, Alexa, turn the TV off. Turning that's, off it's... seems like there'd be a huge time savings there. Yeah, that, that's, that's mostly what we use it for. We, we, don't, we don't as often use it for turning on. And then like once the TV's on, like I, I haven't really done a ton of the like go to a particular channel or you can, you know, you can have it go, you can have it start a new activity. So if you're using the TiVo, but then you want to start like the Apple TV activity, you can have it switch. I haven't really used it a ton for that stuff. It's, it's been more about turning off the TV. And of course, it's, you know, it, it's the full activity. So when you say, Alexa, turn the TV off, what it's really doing is it's doing the TV start, the, doing the start stop TV activity. So it's turning everything off, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, one question I have is because I actually bought a, a, a more limited version of this. I bought the, the Logitech like uh, Harmony Hub companion thing, uh, which just doesn't have the fancy remote on it. And I was not able to set up an activity where it didn't end up turning the TiVo off. Yeah, you... so there, so <laughs> that is that it. That I would say that'd be the one dumb thing that I in encountered while setting up. So the stock turn on TV with TiVo activity by default puts the TiVo in standby every time you turn that activity off, which is really stupid. Why? Why would you put your TiVo in standby? Um. But there is, there is a setting you can go into to basically say, hey, always leave this device on. And that setting is in your version of the remote, too. Because I, I had it. I had it with my old remote. 
Got it. You, you really have to dig. It's it's not intuitive at all. Yeah, I mean, I've never had that issue with the with the with the Harmony One. It was just with that oh, okay. new version. Oh, but yeah. Okay. okay. I'm glad there's a way to do it. Yeah, there, there's a way to do it both with the one that you currently have. I thought I thought that was the one you were having trouble with too. But no, you can you can do that with your remote, and then you can do it with all the the hub based remotes too. Got it. Cool. Um, and then are there any other pieces of your smart home, or is that mainly it? So the 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 lights, the Logitech Hub, and of course, like the Echo is are the the key pieces. And then I, I've also got so I've got the Echo here in the living room, and then I've got a dot in the bedroom, and then a dot in the kitchen. Um, it's nice having the the dots around, and it's really cool with the the latest version of the Echo and Dot software where they communicate with one another and know which one you're closest to so they'll only respond to the one the, the only one of them will respond at a time even if more than one of them can hear you which is really nice um, but the thing that i've noticed with the dot is it's a little slower than the echo like even just simple commands like turning lights on and off like with the echo it's pretty quick but with the dot, everything just sort of like takes a half beat extra. And I don't, I don't really know if it's because there's a different processor with the dot or exactly what it is. I mean, the dot's, you know, a third of the price of the Echo. So in a lot of ways, you can't really complain about that. But that's been one of the things with the dots. It's been a little, you know, they're just, they're just, the, the thing that's great about the Echo is just how responsive it is. And with the dot, you, you lose a little bit of that. It's not bad, but it's just when you're kind of on a daily basis using both an echo and a dot, you're every time you use the dot, you're kind of constantly reminded like, ah, oh, this thing's always just like a half step behind. Well, sure. And, it, and it's just weird that depending on what room you're in, the latency changes. Now, I can see that where that'd be jarring. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think, if you, I think if you only had the dot, it, you, you probably really wouldn't give much thought to it. But again, having an echo to compare to every day sort of reminds you that it, they're just they're not not quite the same but really having like an echo in every room would be extreme yeah and I, i'm um, a i'm a, re, I'm a reasonable person you know carlos i'm gonna uh <laughs> recommend that there's be like a, a jump cut or something here to you talking about the most motion sensing or sorry uh yeah motion sensing uh bathroom lights yeah i haven't i haven't gone the lady friend asked me recently, and I, I I didn't really have an answer to this, which was how much in total we ended up spending on all those smart lights and hue accessories. Can I still I, have not, I still have not gone through that exercise. Yeah, and and okay, yeah, I'll, I'll leave the other part unsaid. Um, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm very surprised you got complete free reign with this. So very nice. Um. And all this is being held together or glued together by Eero. That's cool. We talked about yeah. that last week, but that yeah. seems like that's rock solid. That's it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, and then the last bit uh, that I'm very proud of you with is uh, you have the uh, the Breville 450 XL. That's right. Yeah, I'm not. It's called a smart toaster oven, although. Um, You're mad that it doesn't have an app. I'm mad it doesn't connect to Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, but no, it is it is a wonderful gadget. Um, have wanted one of those for a number of years now. It's can't can't say enough good things about it. Two perfectly toasted slices of bread in three minutes and thirty five seconds. Mm -hmm. Can't beat can't beat that. 
Yep. Perfect size for small pizzas, uh, heating up Trader Joe's samosas. Uh, it's pretty great. Heating up? Oh, samosas. I thought you said mimosas. Oh, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, that, that makes no sense. No, don't, it don't really, be ridiculous. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, no, and it, it's handsome looking. It very, very affordable. Not, it's not expensive. Um, it's great. Um, I guess the, the last thing I did leave off the the smart home list, which I wish I had in my notes here, although it didn't really have a ton to say, is like we also got a canary, which is like a kind of iOS based um, home security. Home security system seems a little generous. It's it's just like a it's a camera and a motion detector basically. Um, so we've I've got that sitting here on the desk next to me in the living room, and um, it's fine. I mean, it it does it does what you expect it to. Um, the the motion detection is really really overly sensitive. Where if it's a cloudy day and the sun eventually comes out the moment where you go from kind of dimmer light to brighter light in the room has triggered the motion sensor a couple of times. So I've gotten notifications sent to my phone that motion's been detected while I'm away, and it's just been the light in the room changing. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you have to know if Carl the Fog is trying to break into your house. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess, you know, if I had to choose with a system like this being overly sensitive versus not being responsive enough, I would choose the former. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's fine. It's, it, it was, it's $150 again, not, not a, not a huge investment, certainly much, much less than like a more robust, fully fledged home security system. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's fine. And the, the, the iOS app is nice. So, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. I'm glad, glad it all worked out. Glad you, glad you got, uh, carte blanche to do whatever you want with this. And, and I'm glad it all mostly works together. Yeah. Um, although one the so the last thing I'll say is that have not used HomeKit for any of this, you know, have not done any of the Siri stuff, have not used the Home app in iOS. Like all this stuff is technically HomeKit enabled, but I really I haven't used HomeKit at all. Maybe I should look into that a little bit because I know like iOS 10's got some of the automation stuff, and I, I haven't dug into that at all. Uh, but I'm I'm not I'm not really expecting much. I feel like you should because they 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 broke control center up into three pieces to make it way harder to use now just so home got its own little screen so you might as well use part of it yeah but even as somebody who has now filled that screen with smart lights i don't find that useful at all yeah yeah until until apple comes out with their um amazon echo knockoff probably three years too late it, it the home kit thing probably won't make much sense yeah all right. Well, that was more than enough of me talking, but I, I think I think this this next topic is near and dear to your heart, and I, I would I would think that this is one that you're going to be driving, which is the Amazon Go. Amazon Go Store. What are we calling it? Just Amazon Go. Uh, it's been so long. I actually don't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Amazon Go seems like uh, like. Uh, amazing. So people haven't seen it yet. It's a new. Uh, it's not. It's more. It's it's kind of like a mini Whole Foods. It's not quite a convenience store, but it but it's 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 very neat. It's it's a small retail food store that Amazon has made, where they're just using cameras, uh, RFID, and machine like uh, machine learning and all all those BS buzzwords, 
to make a store that has basically no retail staff whatsoever. You walk in, you scan a little barcode with your phone, kind of on this like turnstile type thing, like you're taking the subway. Um, and then you just grab whatever you want, you leave, and it's billed to your Amazon account, and you just you get on with your day. And it seems like the the, the greatest idea in, in the world, and, I, and I'm super excited for it to eventually uh, make it here. They they have in a very Amazon like way have a a catchy name for this that which they refer to as their just walk out technology. Yeah, in the video I heard that I'm like that that's eh, that's a little forced. That's that's not <laughs> that's not quite Amazon one click. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's 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 really cool. And like there there've been a lot of weird reactions to this. Like there's been a lot of people pay, saying like. Oh, like uh, cashiers are like the third largest by like number of jobs, like uh, uh, empl- occupation type in in the United States, and this will this you know displace people. But like, I, it just uh, it, the next ten to fifteen years are going to be really really weird in terms of technology and automation uh, changing the labor force in a lot of ways. And I see, I think like this is probably one of the most productive ones where it's taking like it's it's eliminating like a certain type of labor that's not like it and is repurposing it elsewhere like some like people have to make all the food and stock the shelves and do all the stuff that's happening inside of the store right it's just using technology to remove friction and make the shopping experience so much easier and more natural because like right now we have this weird like half measure thing where we have these like I, I love self checkout, kind of, just because it's slightly preferable to the to the alternative. But it's it's still a mess. Like how how frequently in Safeway does it complain about trying to verify your bags and stuff like that? Yeah, I love. I don't think love is the first word that would come to mind with uh, self checkout. And then like again, I, I've talked about this like before. Like there needs to be some type of like DMV certification of like being able to use the the, the damn self checkout lines. Like, cause everybody like at, at my local Safeway thinks it's, oh, it's, it's like some fun experiment and, and old people will try to use it and they'll try to scan coupons that don't work. And like some teenagers will try to buy liquor when they know they can't, they can't buy the self-checkout. It makes me want to lose my mind. But like this, this is a solution to that. And this is a way like this, this is Amazon like at its best, like Amazon prime fresh and all this like weird stuff. Like every time they try to reconstitute their efforts to do that like three to five hundred dollar a year subscription thing to like send groceries to your home like that 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 i don't i don't get but this seems perfect and it seems like a really effective way for them to go after physical commerce as opposed to just having completely dominated e-commerce yeah i i I can't even just looking at the page again now i just can't help but get this sinking feeling that all this just sounds too good to be true or like we're we're gonna get here this this is clearly where things are going but are is this is this technology really i mean pardon the amazon pun but is, is this really ready for prime time it's pretty good but thank you um, thank you yeah no, normally normally i i i frown on these but no it's pretty good um well, that's why they're they're running kind of like a, a, a quasi private uh, alpha test with with employees, and this the Seattle uh, retail store will not be open to the public until like February, but I, I think probably so. 
Yeah, I um as a little side note, I'm actually I'm going to Seattle in March and I'm gonna see see about um convincing the lady friend if 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 this is someone in the vicinity to uh perhaps stop by. We'll we'll see. No, just find find a way to make sure she doesn't drink anything for like three hours and be like, Oh man, are you thirsty? And then just make sure you guys are right there. <laughs> right, right. And, and just be like, oh, this, this this was a trap I knew it you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, I don't know. I just it it um I don't know. It seems like it's it seems like it's just a little too good to be true. Like I well, I guess we'll probably get more more into this with the Uber stuff later, but just like self-driving cars to me, like it just feels like it feels like we're kidding ourselves into thinking we're a little closer to that than we actually are. I think we're getting close to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be everywhere because I, I'm like, I mean, uh, for sure, like all all the technology, the the staff to actually like, because I, I assume behind the scenes, there's still tons of humans trying to make sure this this doesn't break. Yeah, but um, like I'm sure this it'll take a very long time for this to be profitable and cheaper than humans, but. It, it it'll it'll get there, and I, and I th- I do think it's close. And I think I, th- I think good point you you had kind of made when describing this too. Like this this does seem like a very like Whole Foods type of store. So this is clearly not like this is not a Safeway replacement. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. But pretty pretty darn cool. Pretty good. Yeah. I I it was a nice concise brief video that did a great job of explaining it. I like the name. Um. Yeah, it's good. You you could hop in your uh, your autonomous uh, Uber or Lyft and and take a ride down to the Amazon Go store, and then you can go back to your uh, your overpriced apartment with a uh, uh, robot vacuum cleaner. I I I wanted to say that you were trying to transition to the Uber stuff there at some point. I was. But then I, I, sh- I I got greedy. It went, went off I went, went off the, the rails a little bit. I, I, got, I got greedy. But uh, let's let's keep it going. So yeah. yeah. So uh. For a short six days, uh, starting, I think, on the 14th. I don't think it was it that long. So it started on the 14th. Uh, Uber uh, started their uh, trial of uh, driverless cars in San Francisco with kind of a fleet of, I think, like 100 uh, Volvo SUVs outfitted with all their uh, LiDAR and like Uh, auto-drive. Real-time follow-up. I think it was, I'm looking at this Guardian article. I think it was 16. I don't think so. I think you're wrong. I well, looked they, this up, the, I looked this up the, while you're talking about your smart house. The, the DMV, the DMV revoked the registration of 16. I'm spoiling the ending here, but uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner uh, was dead the whole time. Yeah, right. Um, 16 autonomous Uber vehicles had their registration suspended. So, well, no, but hold on. There was that Verge article. Uh, Verge. Well, anyway, some some oh. number of these Uber self-driving cars. Uh. No, I'm, I'm going to prove this. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> uh, oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I could have sworn it was in here. Maybe, maybe I'm just, it's because the, the, the car is called the XC90. That's why I thought that was it. Maybe. Whatever. Um, yeah, so they, they, they launched their trial, which... And here, here's the thing. Let, let's let me back up a little bit. Like we, it's been a running theme on this show that it, it, people know I am not the biggest fan of Uber as a company. I have referred to them many times as the cactus of society. It uh, once things turn to autonomous driving, like their level of like weird cutthroatness and and just like weird like uh, ambition makes sense to me. It for me the problem with Uber is that they're 
doing all this uh, uh, borderline unethical things related to uh, how they classify their workers and in like the wage stuff with like their actual human drivers that they uh, continue to advertise on TV that they want, even though they are very close uh, to replacing them. I don't know. That, that, that's, that's my thing with them. But in terms of this, I, I wish Uber the absolute best in terms of their self-driving um, ambitions. But yeah, so for a week beginning uh, December 14th, up until a couple of hours ago, they were running a self-driving test uh, against the wishes of the state of California and the Department of Motor Vehicles. And uh, after numerous uh, uh, red lights that they were blown through and, and um, I think like borderline collisions and stuff, uh, their um, vehicle registrations have been revoked and that trial is over. So it's back to just being, I think, in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, one of Pitt- those? Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, so this is this this is such a this is so weird. Like, yeah, I, I was very hopeful about it, but did you see when the first like two incidents within like hours of the press releases, <laughs> when when you saw like the uh, the red light things, like I, I I'm like Uber is a company where they they made a statement saying that oh uh, in both cases the uh, it was the humans who were at fault and they have both been like placed on suspension. Like they just have the weirdest public relations yeah, people. It's just just take a little bit of responsibility. It'd been so easy just to say, listen, this is new technology. We are still very much working out the kinks. That's why we're offering this sort of, you know, pilot program. But yeah, in, in, instead of, you know, doing what they did and doubling down on kind of a bogus sounding excuse is and is, I, I, it's kind of crazy and i forget who it was it might have been john gruber but somebody said like it, it was written in such a careful way where it, right yeah where yeah. like it maybe they just mean that because humans are required to be in the car and they didn't intervene that means it's the human's fault like it's just so uh it's so weird why can't like this company like needs to learn humility in, in just any in any way even just the, the the whole background to how they started the program here in California, which, you know, California is a relatively friendly state towards autonomous driving, but there are there's certain regulations you have to follow and certain permits you have to get, which, you know, kind of makes sense, right, with this new technology that Uber didn't get. And they made the argument that, well, you know, we have people monitoring and behind the wheels, so we feel like we don't need these autonomous vehicle permits, which is, I mean, it's total nonsense. Like, do do things the right way. That just that that seems like it would be good for everybody. It would be good for Uber because then they don't have all this bad PR around this whole thing that's now become a debacle. Yeah, like, and and I sent over a tweet earlier, and like this rings insanely true. Where like somebody said, only Uber could lose a PR battle to the DMV, <laughs> right. and and that's and that's insanely true. Like they they always, no matter what they do, even though they have tons of talented engineers and very smart business people on on board, like they just manage to always be the most callous and unsympathetic company that ever ever existed. Yeah, I think honestly, like people probably have more sympathy for Exxon than they do for Uber. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, and it's if somebody felt that way, it'd be hard to mount a great argument against why they why they shouldn't feel that way. Have you seen those Lyft ads that have been on TV? No, I see a lot of Lyft um, billboards and things, but I don't I don't think I've seen a TV commercial. Yeah, you you should look it up on YouTube. They have they have one where it's it's uh, them uh, like the, the scene is the Uber boardroom, and they're trying to like. Uh, gain sympathy like that lift lets you tip your drivers which i actually kind of 
think is 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 weird but the ads you, you have to watch them they're they're very good because hmm, okay. uh, they speak to the public image that uber has uh i think i'm not sure if it's like willingness i think they've willingly built up kind of this weird image as like this i don't know it's like cold and and, and weird culture but anyway um yeah that's so i don't know what happens here because uber doesn't seem like they're the company that uh, will backtrack or be conciliatory in any way so i don't know how they come to come to an agreement here well i i mean i think given given by what just happened today with them announcing that they've shut the the program down temporarily i mean that that, that is that's what's going to happen is they do have to kind of go back to the the drawing board and and rethink how they're going about this at least in california yeah but you know, I mean, I, I will say on on the flip side to to look at a, a more positive view. Um, I mean, self driving cars and particularly self driving cars in a system like Uber, which is now becoming more and more like kind of a public transportation system, is critically important because I mean, there's no arguing that once we get to the place we need to get to with this stuff, it is going to save thousands and thousands of lives each year and i mean that that's a, that's a really big deal and i mean you bring up a good point about the loss of jobs and that's that's something that we're going to have to you know look you know have to have to look at and, and be careful about but you know there's no there's no overstating the importance of the amount of safety that we're going to gain through self-driving cars Yep, I very, very much agree. As somebody who's who's a selfish American and and uh, loves his car, um, I yeah, I, I don't see any way where this is not the future and not a net benefit for society as a whole. Um, so the the last the last thing I had with this, which you know, could be a whole whole other topic, and maybe that's what it'll become. We'll see. But um, I thought Gruber had a really, really good take on um the kind of the the nature of what's what what uber's doing which is you've got this autonomous vehicle but you have a human who's expected to monitor the vehicle and um gruber the the premise of his response is um, or article rather is in response to an article uh, that was in the new yorker which talks about um, airline pilots and their use of autopilot and how they're kind of in this weird position where autopilot you know works flawlessly 99.99% of the time but pilots are expected to always be on alert for that 0.001% or whatever of instances where there's an autopilot issue and if you think about autonomous vehicles at least how they are today and how Uber's using them it's it's kind of the same concept where well, maybe not in the case of these Uber cars, but you know, eventually these autonomous cars are going to become pretty reliable. But we're going to get we're going to get to this awkward phase where they're going to be mostly reliable, like in that same ninety nine percent range that they you know, we that we refer to in the airline example. But they're not quite there, so it's gonna it's a it's a really big ask of an everyday driver to constantly be vigilant for any sign that their car's doing something it's not supposed to. And I don't really know how you I don't really know how you solve that. 
I think you solve it by just letting the machines do what they need to do. But I'm, but I'm literally talking about like in the case of there's an error, there's something that happens where the driver really is expected to take over. Well, but there shouldn't be a driver. Well, I mean, but I, but, but it, but there's, there's going to be a phase in this process where there shouldn't be. Well, like, I mean, that's, that's the thing with like the half measures. And like, I think we've talked about this in the past and like this, um, like it's it's all like all these driver safety features and stuff that's coming uh, coming into like regular consumer automobiles and stuff like that, which which you can argue that th- yes, those are like a net benefit, but in a lot of ways those encourage distracted driving and the uh, the human drivers can become less engaged. So that's where I think um, just it it doesn't make like I understand in testing environments, yes, uh, Uber and Google and Apple allegedly need to have like human controls so that if something goes wrong while these like test autonomous vehicles are interacting with regular human drivers and that kind of stuff where their the software maybe hasn't reached that reliability point that they can uh step in and and, and be vigilant and i think that requires somebody who's exceptionally well trained to do that but i don't think like once autonomous vehicles come out i think they they need to take like the the Google approach, like with that little Google uh, Google clown car that they made. I- I'm sure it has a real name, but I can't think of it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I know like there's been stories where Google's actually stepping back from this, but where there are no pedals, there is nothing else where it's just, it's all software and that's it. And because like just l- allowing humans to be in control of a machine that is statistically considerably more effective and, and safer than a human, like that's that's already better. And the government, and and perhaps like the voting public, but I'm not sure we should trust them anymore after what happened. <laughs> Ow. Um, oh, yeah, we should we should both mention that we're both like half sick right now, but that's okay. Yeah, that's the, been been another another factor as to why the this show's been a little little irregular. Yeah, um, like just you, you can't let people decide because because isn't what's the like where like what's the saying that everybody thinks they're an above average driver it's like stuff like that where like just no humans have been found to be uh not terribly reliable or attentive drivers or the best way to operate this and and at a certain point you can very specifically uh map out where a machine becomes more reliable statistically than than a human and we the government needs to be in control of regulating when they think that threshold is met and when fully autonomous cars that don't need humans can can hit the road. Like, I mean, because yes, the, the less engaged somebody has to be while driving, the less qualified they're going to be to take over at the time that they're required to take over, which is where like autopilot mode and like the stuff that Tesla is trying to do doesn't really ring true with me. Because sometimes that's easy. Like if you're just doing highway driving, that's easy. But in, in like a dense urban area and in, in like inclement weather, it's not going to be that easy. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there's got to be a way that things meet in the middle. And humans need to kind of get with the program in a lot of ways of thinking that, uh, that they have the, like, this, this high level of trust that they shouldn't in their fellow driver. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. This is going to be a really complicated thing. Well, speaking speaking of complicated things and vehicles, how how was that? That was pretty good, right? 
I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> you're uh, so you you've made um, an exciting new purchase. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's, we'll, um, that's yeah. Let, let me let me get one other thing. In. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So okay. there was a, there's a link um, that I sent you that I think people should also check out. This is this is tangentially related to the to all the self driving stuff, which is called Moral Machine. Because one of the other things that seems to always come up in this like when are autonomous vehicles safe enough is the whole thing of will like cars eventually have to be programmed with like uh intelligence as to what to do in situations where some type of uh accident is unavoidable and this project from MIT uh called Moral Machine is actually insanely uh interesting at uh having people judge like kind of um much like that uh a movie iRobot that's uh not great but not bad uh starring Will Smith from 2004 mm-hmm. um where like uh you know like the three laws and that kind of stuff and when machines have to start making uh judgments about human life so this is really really interesting and it's done in a somewhat scientific way so um yeah people should check that out and spend uh, a couple minutes with that well uh yeah we'll we'll put that in the show notes yeah do we have show notes Yes, we we do have show notes. Okay, cool, great, good for the good for the users. <laughs> um, all right, and then uh, the last thing on the Uber thing, uh, you you can tell me because I think we're real real quick we're gonna have uh, a disagreement on this. Should uh, like uh, commuter benefit, which a lot of people who work in urban areas and a lot of Bay Area workers get, should you be allowed to use that for Uber? No. Okay, because you sent me this, and I wasn't sure if you were on board with it or if you think. Because you'd, you'd, you'd made an offhand remark in the last in the last little discussion that Uber it was, uh, I don't know if you were trolling or not, you said it was public transportation. Well, that's by definition of, of what using pre-tax dollars means. I mean, that's, that's what it's now being defined by, at, at least by some folks. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, maybe I shouldn't just say flat out, no, it's not. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little hesitant to. I'm I'm hesitant to say yes. Yeah, that I, it is. I do not think it is at all. And 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 that that riled me up when you sent that over. That was, yeah. No, no, no. It is not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving right along. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, a George is no more. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. So I I have a new car, and he desperate. Uh, he or she desperately needs a name. So the best Gosh, I have is, still still don't have a name. The best I have is is Cookie Monster, and that's not a good name for a car. No, that's really not. Well, you're you're normally really good with names, but that that's that's not a good one. If any, if anybody in the audience wants to help me out, like previously, <laughs> I, I had an old car uh, named Margaret Thatcher, and then I had my most recent car uh, that was George Clooney because because it was silver. Well, so you you have a bit of a theme going here, so you should you probably should consider sticking with that. Well, no, I, I think it has to be a person, or it has to be like some type of public figure. But yeah, I can't. Think oh, which I, I guess I guess Cookie Monster technically is Cookie. <laughs> I don't think. Wait, does Cookie Monster meet kind of? You know how Wikipedia has like those notability guidelines, <laughs> right? Uh, does he have his own Wikipedia page? Also, is Grover blue or purple? I couldn't tell you. Okay, you know who Grover is, right? I do, but I can't. I can't. Okay. I can't think of what what color he is. Oh, geez, Cookie Monster has a gigantic Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, um, wow. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So if you want to help me out with that, that'd be fantastic. Um. 
but yeah, I, I was torn between what I was going to going to get as my next car, and it was down between a couple of BMW models and the A4, and it ended up turning out that uh, technology won out, and I ended up getting the A4. And I was not super enthusiastic or jazzed about the idea when I first got it, but um, it's grown on me, and I, I would say it's a, it's a solid B car. So what I'm really jealous about is virtual cockpit, which I was jealous of originally just because I love the concept of the dash just being a screen as opposed to physical dials. But what you told me about this weekend is that it also has a, um, what do we call this? Like a HUD, like a, a dashboard HUD? Oh yeah, so so that's the thing. So again, like I, I did I, when I went in to to check out the car, I was not expecting to get one, but there was one that was uh, optioned out in a way that I would never have really considered, but um, I really liked in a color and in a design that I liked. And yeah, it ended up being uh, what's called the Prestige model, which has a couple of cool things, and one of those is that it has a heads-up display, which is honestly. That, along with the top and side view cameras, are the best two features ever, and, and I am, I'm very happy that it has it. Yeah, the heads-up display projects a little screen that shows you uh, speed, navigation directions, um, cruise control stuff, and Audi pre-sense alerts. Um, and it kind of projects them like six feet ahead of like the road. And it's very, very natural, and it, and it it works great, and it's 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 I'm very pleased with it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that the the HUD in particular seems really useful. Yeah, and the virtual cockpit thing is is nice. Um, it's a, it's a little limited, like, but I, I I enjoy how restrained it is in terms of what it can possibly do. Um, it has access to navigation and, and a large map that you can put in the center of the screen, which is nice. And it supports Google Earth, which which they advertise a lot, but I don't really feel is that useful. Google Earth, not Maps? Like, so Maps are built in and you get live traffic from Google Maps. But like their big thing that like they kept talking about was that it supports live Google Earth or not live, but like <laughs> up to date. <laughs> like, yeah, wow, something. that's that's pretty cool. Um, but like uh, up to date uh, Google Earth satellite imagery. And I'm like. I, I'm not sure how that adds any usefulness. Yeah, like I, like the standard 3D Nokia Nokia here maps, with which for some reason have Google traffic overlaid on them, like that. That's that's plenty. But no, it's it's very nice. Um, and then it's got CarPlay and Android Auto support, and I don't know. It, it's it it all seems to work together. Yeah. Hmm. But um. One of the other things that I've, I'm also interested in with this car is uh, CarPlay, and that that seems like you might not be quite as excited about. So CarPlay, when it works, is pretty okay. It's it's very limited, um, and apparently this is supposed to like be like the revamped CarPlay that Apple introduced in iOS 10, which I'm not really sure what they changed about it, but. Um, like I mean, it's good. It, it's it's an easy way to interact with uh, your iPhone and 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 change things uh, while while you're driving, and it's it's great for listening to podcasts and and using Siri. Um, but it's only supported by a handful of apps. It doesn't support Waze. It doesn't support Google Maps, and I'm not sure if that's an Apple or a Google decision. Um, but no, it's good. It's just that it 
its reliability overall is not perfect. I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I, I need to swap out the USB cable. I don't know if maybe it's just a bad cable. But sometimes it will just, like, disconnect, even though it's over a wired connection. And then sometimes, like, it just doesn't start properly. Like, it will, like, the, the image will go on the screen of, like, the emulated iOS experience, but there will be no sound. That happens, like, maybe 15% of the time. So I'm going to swap out the cable and see if that makes any difference. But um, it's good. My, my podcast app of choice, Pocket Casts, is, is fantastic, and, and, I, and I love the way that it works. Uh, Spotify is great. Um, Pandora would be great, but it crashes a lot and just is <laughs> loading all the time. Like if, if I don't open Pandora before I plug it in, it seems to work almost none of the time. Hmm. So I hope one day that gets fixed. But uh, when it does, it's nice. But yeah, Pocket Cast is, is so good. Um, it's nice, like, it's kind of like one, like when you're driving, like, uh, in one podcast episode ends and you kind of like feel really, um, like you really want to like use your phone while driving to queue up another podcast episode in a really unsafe way. And this just makes it very, very easy to, to do that. Everything is just kind of, uh, like just a little wheel where like you just scroll through lists back and and it's very good. And you can use Siri to control it too. So hopefully the reliability will get there and maybe it's just a bad cable that's causing some of the instability, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. And I haven't had a time, uh, had time to play with uh, Android auto yet, but so I guess my biggest thing with CarPlay, which you, you sent me some screenshots, I've been kind of thumbing through, and the screenshots have reminded me of this, which is, it, it just it's a bummer that you just can't sort of use every app that's on your iPhone. Like the the biggest example of that is with navigation with Maps. Like I'm I'm not a I'm not an anti Apple Maps person. Like I I just but I prefer Google Maps, and it just seems like a huge bummer that. When it comes to navigation with CarPlay, it seems like you're you're limited to just using Apple Maps. That is right. Yeah, and that just that seems that seems like a huge um, caveat to the usefulness of CarPlay. Yeah, and again, I don't know if it's Google or if, uh, that doesn't want to develop for it. And, and again, I like I'm not I don't blame anybody for not developing for it, but just because like I like probably so few cars have this. And probably like people, even if it does, people probably just don't care. Right. Like this seems like probably even below like Apple, like Apple watch support. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm glad, I'm glad the apps that I use, uh, do support it. But, um, how's the, uh, how's the, how's the touch responsiveness in the A4 when using, I guess, either the built-in system or CarPlay? Well, it's not a touchscreen. Oh, so wow. Okay. So it's all. Yeah, which, like which, dot, which I prefer. Based. Yeah, like I like certain car companies seem to have like this like philosophical like uh, like dials versus touchscreen, um, and I'm very happy that it does not support any touch functions. Got it. Um, but no, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty uh, responsive, and yeah, that's not been an issue. So gosh, like I'm mean, I'm trying to think like so in this maps screenshot you have where you you you're just about to start a route. Like what? Is, what's the dial flipping through? It's flipping through. So like like right there in that screenshot, like the dial. If you were to turn it like one click to the left, it would go to more routes. If you yeah, clicked it one turn okay. to the left, it would go to back. And yeah. one more turn, it would go to go home. home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then if you were to go right from go, it would go to that plus symbol. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. That that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not too bad. And you have a dedicated button for going back. And then if you hold it down, that emulates uh, clicking the home button. So no, it 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 makes sense. 
Okay. I like I wish like you kind of wish it had more options, but also you understand why it doesn't because if it had more options, it like I don't know, it would encourage distracted driving more. So how about like zooming in and out with maps? Um well to be honest, I actually don't use like cuz I don't like Apple Maps. So yeah. I just end up using the um uh the built-in MMI system, which is that, which is, is that based on Google Maps? Uh, it's based on Nokia here maps with parts of Google. Got it. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Like the, the, the virtual cockpit thing is, is very nice. And I like how you can see the map directions inside the, uh, the instrument cluster and, and the fact that it links with the heads up display is, is very nice. Um, but yeah, like if you use like the standard MMI thing, like it's super fiddly. It's, it's, it's very much like Android E. Um, it just has way too many options. And like you can you you can like there's three ways to do every one thing which 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 I don't care for, so like that center screen just ends up being just iPhone and CarPlay all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So overall, not bad. Yeah, I'm I'm ha- I'm I, I it, it keeps growing on me, and and I'm I'm happy with the decision. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So again, if you get any feedback on the name, please do. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm not as good with the naming stuff, but um. Hopefully the hopefully the fans can help you out. Yeah. Did your Ford Edge ever get a name? No. no nothing at all. No. All right. What color is it? White, silver? It's like a it, it's a, a a gray, like a silver okay. silverish gray. All right. All right. Can't name oh. it George Clooney though. You've already, you already took that. It could be, it could be uh, George the <laughs> second. Uh, George Sink too. Ugh. You were I, I could have sworn you you told me that it was going to get Sync three. No, no. You said I, like you said all twenty sixteen models or something were going to get Sync three eventually. No, mm-mm. no. That that was I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show. That was a consideration I had when um, choosing this car was the fact that it would not ever get upgraded to Sync three. No, no vehicle that has a version of Sync previous to Sync three is going to get updated to Sync three. And is Sync 2 the one from Microsoft or the one yeah. from QNX or BlackBerry? The, the one from Microsoft. Sync okay. 3 is the one from QNX. Got it. And is QNX still a thing? Since BlackBerry is kind of in their weird spot? <laughs> well, it is with Sync, I guess. Um, but I, I, outside of that, I'm not sure. Hmm. To be honest, though, I mean, what I've, what I've found with, with my car is, so there's, you know, the, there's a CD, um, drive you know right right below the touchscreen and so i have a, an iphone mount which hooks into that and so i really just use my phone and i i interact with sync occasionally but you know i mean that's the the nice thing about having your phone mounted like that is you know you're not even limited by things like what you see with carplay where i mean i i can literally just pull up any app that i want to right there's there's a whole route i could have gone down to and maybe we talked about this on the show too where that the sync screen in my car is actually exactly the same size as an iPad mini. And there are, <laughs> so there are solutions out there where you can replace the sync screen with an iPad mini. So I've considered going down that road, but it's incredibly expensive and it's a leased car. So that's kind of a weird spot to be in. So having, having my, my iPhone mounted just below the screen has, has worked fine. And your iPhone's basically the size of an iPad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Which, yeah. by the way, just a quick little aside. 
So in, in, in all my years of owning an iPhone, I've never had this happen to me. It's been how many years now? It's been nine years I've had an iPhone. There is a huge scratch on my screen. Oh. Yeah. Just noticed it maybe about a week ago. It's, of course, it's all I can see on the screen now. Can you feel it if like you run your finger yeah. against it? It's that deep? Yep. Oh, I got that on my 6S and it, it drove me nuts. So I, you know, the, one of the benefits of going through the iPhone upgrade program is I do have Apple Care. So I, I think doing like a screen replacement is not terribly expensive. Um, I, do they do that for just scratches? I don't think they do. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I yeah, maybe I'm, I'm speaking a little out of turn, but yeah, and, and it probably doesn't bother you enough where you would risk you, where you would drop it intentionally so that it was broken enough because you might damage something else. No, no, and that also no. seems really. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I at some point I may. I mean, there's an Apple store nearby, so I might just go in and ask what the process would be and like how much it would cost. But it's one of those things where like it doesn't bother me quite enough to want to go through all that hassle but mm -hmm. but i am considering it yeah cool um so we had so we had we had ios 10.2 um and tvos 10.2 on mm -hmm. the agenda um the, well the, actually uh, let's yeah let's jump in real quick to that so so how does single sign-on work for you or how's that going <laughs> is it good so oh yeah wonderful um so I, I had completely forgotten that um, our friends over at Cable Town were not one of the launch partners. And so I, I you know, upgraded to tvOS 10.2 and went to the, which by the way, it's not even initially intuitive where you go to enter your credentials initially. It's like buried in settings and then account. So I found that eventually. But yeah, you, you go, you click in there, and then the first step is to choose your, your provider. And I was like, huh, I can't find Comcast. Okay, well, maybe it's, maybe it's under Xfinity, so maybe I need to go further down the list. Nope, not there. Well, do you, do you blame Comcast? Like, who, who do you think's to blame? Because Comcast isn't there, Time Warner's not there, uh, Verizon's not there. Um, none of the big players, except for Satellite, because they're desperate, are there. So whose fault is it, Apple or or the uh, the other the cable companies? I don't know. I mean, I what what is it that Apple and these cable companies can't agree on? I mean, what is, what is Apple asking for? Well, the fact that Apple thinks they can dictate everything on their own terms, which which they shouldn't be able to do. I guess so. Like you remember the like like it, the story that became infamous just for the uh, Eddie Q flip flops thing, but it was more important because of like uh, just how arrogant apple seems to be in negotiations for anything even though they don't like with apple tv they don't hold the power that they do with the iphone and i and i, and I don't seem to understand why they don't get that well I mean, because I, like this type of like single sign-on like is is a is a thing that benefits both because it's it's not something that helps people uh cut the cord because you still need a video subscription for that's, it yeah that that's why that's why it's 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 especially frustrating because it, it does seem like it should just be an easy win-win for everybody involved but clearly something is preventing it from being that way i just think that apple just just isn't a very good partner in, in anything yeah yeah and and uh how do you like the new tv app the apple tv tv app um well so i i went to use that as well 
and it, it turns out I don't even I don't even have any apps on my Apple TV that same are are hooked into it. So what apps support it? Well, so they the screen where I think that it, that's supposed to show you the programming that's available if you do have apps that are supported. Um, if you if you don't have any, does show you apps that that are and like I, Hulu was on there. Um, that was the one that was in the foreground. So that's kind of the only one I could tell you. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And it, granted, I I don't have many apps on my um, Apple TV, but I mean, I do have HBO Go and Netflix. And the fact that those two aren't supported is kind of stunning. And the Netflix integration is another thing where, again, it just seems like Apple just doesn't play nicely or or doesn't play ball with anybody else. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's weird because then, like, on a separate tab in the app, they were promoting HBO shows. But H- I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's because we don't have the single sign-on thing that it's not pulling in the HBO stuff on that, that first page. Maybe it's a thing where it's HBO Now versus HBO Go because one requires cable credentials. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that's nice is it, it, does, it does put all of your... Um, iTunes content in one spot. So that's kind of nice. Um so like purchased TV and purchased movies are all kind of nicely sorted now whereas that was a little bit clunky before. But yeah, I mean it so far so far it doesn't seem particularly useful. Hmm. Yeah. And then iOS 10.2, was there anything notable in that other than a new emoji? I was literally just going to say, other than emojis, no. The only other thing, which I th- I think is something that you would prefer, is so now remember how um, with in iOS ten you've got kind of this like two panel um, notification. Um, well, I guess there's so there's notification center, and then there's like the widgets page. Uh-huh. So when you swipe down from the top, and remember how in iOS ten initially when you would swipe down from the top it would always go to the notifications panel, mm-hmm. even if you had swiped left and gone to the widgets. Mm-hmm. So now when you swipe down, it goes back to where you left off. My phone is across the room, so I can't test this, so I really hope you're right. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I have my phone in my hand right now, and I'm double-checking. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Or that's not, that, that shouldn't be amazing, <laughs> because, because the other behavior was insane, but that's very good. Yeah, so other, other than that, um, that that's really the only thing outside of the the new emojis I've noticed. Um, and and then, what, and, uh, go ahead. The, so the new emojis, by and large, fantastic. Avocado emoji, great. Uh, the kind of whiskey slash old fashioned emoji, love it. A lot of good new facial expression emojis, all great. But the one the one real dud is so you know in our Slack channel each week when we have a, a link or a particular topic we want to bring attention to we used a little red rotating light emoji. And that has been redesigned as part of iOS 10.2. And it, it, it's, it's just not good. It's awful. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just it's really bad. Yeah. So that's I, I, like almost to the point where I feel like we might need to consider a new emoji. <laughs> Can we use the avocado emoji or the burrito emoji for, for important topics? Oh, I, I kind of, I kind of like the idea of using the avocado one. Okay, maybe, maybe we should do that. We'll see. But the, the problem for me is that I, I'm, I'm a still a big fan of Gboard, which hasn't been updated yet. So technically, I, I can see new emoji, but I have to revert back to the Apple keyboard, keyboard to select them. So that's how, that's how, uh, 
so the the windows version of slack uh-huh. also has not been updated and so i i can still hold on to the the old one there too oh yeah like no on, on the desktop i still see the rotating light as as being the very pleasant uh universal symbol for oh, this is, is important on, is that on oh yeah or so maybe we... or maybe it's the fact that i'm still on on uh el capitan no 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 so i i just sent it to you so in slack it in in mac os so I, i'm on the latest version of mac os sierra and so in, in slack it is still the old one the old beautiful one yeah but like when i when i send that same emoji in like if i go to the messages app so let's see if i do this i'm pretty sure i noticed this the other day so if i go to send you an iMessage. And if I, gosh, the the emoji picker here is so bad. But yeah, so if I go here, so this is the, that's the the new one. Yep. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. Yep. Ugh. All right. Well, let's we'll think something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's that's it. I there probably were more things. Um, but, well, so yeah. I think, so I, in looking through our list for this week, I, I really like that, um, um, German Mac article, but I, that's That's going to be a long topic, I think. So I would propose to save that for the next show. Sure. Um, but that's, that's a good one though. And I've got, I've got some, I got some opinions on that. Um, and the other stuff we have Fitbit buying Pebble, I mean, kind of seems kind of seems inevitable ever since you know android wear started becoming a thing and then apple watch like it really just seemed like pebble well, so, didn't well, really stand a chance well so let's let's talk about this real quick so the whole wearables market is is consolidating and also doesn't seem to be that good like other than the whole tim cook saying uh sell through of apple watches has been off the charts like who who is like one what does that actually mean and then two who's actually making money in this because uh, Motorola, which is now owned by Lenovo, has gotten out of the Android Wear smartwatch game. Uh, Pebble just got bought by Fitbit. Like who? Like the people who buy Fitbits don't wear them six months after they bought them. So like, will this continue to be a thing? Is it just going to be Samsung and Apple? Like what, what's what's the deal? I mean, I, yeah, I kind of think so. I, I think it's. I think to your point, it's a small market doesn't seem like there's a ton of opportunity at least in the way that we're thinking about it today and you've got two dominant players in the space so i mean yeah it just doesn't really seem like there's room for anybody else and does this stay a really small market for the time being i think so yeah i I think so so in that case then does apple watch get any real attention I, not any not any more than it than it currently does um not until it becomes more of a standalone device then i think it becomes a bit more interesting but while it continues just to really be a second screen for your iphone um no not really it's just okay. it's just such a limiting form factor too there's just there's just there's so much to having that small of a screen that that limits you and particularly when the alternative is something like Siri, it, you know, it's it's not going to get you there. Sure. 
Okay. And then lastly, before we do our picks of the week, uh, can you tell me what the difference between a pupper and a doggo is? I, I cannot. Just, why, why, uh, if you're following dog rates with any, with any regularity, you, you should know. It's like a master's class in... in... Well, I've clearly, I'm clearly not as versed in this as you are. So hold on. Let me, let me find a picture. Oh, shit. It's on, it's on my Mac laptop. <laughs> um, God, don't, don't have two Macs. It's, this was a bad idea. I, I, I don't. <laughs> well, go, and we'll, go. And we'll actually, and we'll, we'll get to that in my pick of the week, as a matter of fact. Don't know. Hmm. Is your pick of the week going to be your new monitor? No. Okay. Um, like, no, like it's once a dog is of a certain age and maturity, it becomes a doggo. Okay. So a pupper is a puppy. Doggo is a adult dog. C- correct. But a pupper can still be an adult dog. It depends on its, on its level per- of personality, uh, maturity and, and, and that kind of stuff. Got like, it. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. Um, Got it. Yeah, you gotta go. Gotta go see the. Oh, whoops! I shouldn't go to dogrates.com. That's probably gonna be a spam site. <laughs> Shit. We we rate dogs. Um, yeah, you you should go through the archives and figure out what what the difference is, because it, it it's a very fine line. And it's kind of like that Supreme Court decision thing where you know it when you see it. Wow, that might be the one and only time that dogrates has been put in the same sentence as the Supreme Court, but can this guy uh i forget what his name is he's some college student from like santa monica can he be the ninth justice i, I would take that yeah versus I, anybody I, trump nominates i would support that yeah um okay no i i think i think i i think i see i think i see the difference i'll have to do some some more studying but th- thank you thank you for clarifying that sure oh man that's such a fluffy dog um so I actually I had I had one last thing before for picks of the week. Um, sure. <clears throat> Super Mario Run. Um, you know, I, I so I've downloaded it. I've played the three free levels that you get. Um, it seems fine. I really wish it was more of a traditional Mario game, like the the this the 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 premise of of not being able to really control the horizontal movement at least not in the traditional way that you think of with a Mario game just doesn't, it just isn't really my thing. I don't necessarily think it's bad. I just think it's maybe just not for me. Yeah, I would probably agree, but I want this to succeed just because I'm of the opinion like that. Like I, I don't like the way mobile gaming is going. I don't like this whole thing where you just, you just buy like boatloads of coins and the people who pay, uh the most win the most or or have the most fun so like the whole thing with like so much backlash and like negative like uh response like from investors and that kind of stuff that in in the way that uh the game is monetized like i don't know that that just frustrates me and i and i really want a game that costs what what is a really really small amount relative to most other things i just really want it to succeed yeah i i do too and i i think by and large, it does. I mean, it's a great-looking game. It's reasonably priced. I mean, it seems enormously popular. I mean, it's been downloaded like forty million times. I think I saw it today. But I just, I just think it might. It just might not be for me. That's okay. Yeah, I don't care for that. The fact that you can't lose. Yeah. Right. Like the the only way I've found to lose is to run out of time. Right. Right. Okay. 
All right. We're, go- we're going long because we've, we've been off a couple weeks. Yeah. So what's, what's your pick of the week? Okay. Pick of the week is... It's kind of a this thing's got a clunky name. I was trying to earlier to kind of figure out like what the official name is, but <clears throat> I guess this is my best my best guess. It's the Hinge Dock Vertical Docking Station for the MacBook Pro with Retina Display. That's <laughs> um, like, like it's as far as I can tell. That's that's the that's the official name of this thing. Um, it's actually something I've been considering getting for a long time, but kind of waited until this new setup to to finally uh, pull the trigger on um it's it's a pretty simple device it's it's a really solid actually piece of metal that you um set your macbook pro vertically into and then at the bottom it's got all of the ports so it's got um magsafe it's got two thunderbolt ports a usb port and then the headphone jack port and so when you put your laptop into the dock vertically, the ports just rest right on there. And then out the back of the dock, it's got cables, which then, you, of course, you plug, you know, like your power adapter into the MagSafe, you plug in your display or whatever into the Thunderbolt ports, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I've been, I've been connecting um, my... Retina MacBook Pro to my to a cinema display for for many many years and, and could have used this with that but with the um, cinema display it was a little less necessary because I'd already had like a built in you know um, power adapter and everything <clears throat> but um, now that I've got a new setup with a new monitor which I the the monitor I just got recently so I'm gonna save that for a, a different show to talk more about that but the, with this new setup it made more sense for the the hinge dock to kind of come into play and um, I've had it for a couple of weeks now and really really like it really solid like I said um, and it there's just something really cool about just you know putting your MacBook right into it and then you know having the display pop right up and then having my you know external keyboard mouse all that good stuff work so. Really like it so far. Have you had any issues with it not um, powering on or powering off when you undock? Not yet. I keep waiting for that, but no, not yet. Well, good. Yeah. Were you tempted uh, to get like one of those like uh, OWC Thunderbolt docks? Yeah. So that was that was the direction I was originally going. Um, But the thing with those is they're incredibly expensive. They're over twice the price of this hinge dock. Um, and another, another reason why I wanted to dock was, you know, part of this setup I have now was and part of kind of like the, the apartment in general has been like really honed in on like cable management, hiding cables, like making everything look nice and neat. Um, and with those, with those Thunderbolt docks, I don't really know how you would do that because it's just kind of a box that sits on your desk. And so the cables are just going to be kind of going all over the place from it. Whereas the hinge dock, the cables are really nicely tucked away underneath and then, like where I've got it set up, I've just got it like here on the corner of the desk, and the cables just run right behind the desk. So you really don't see any of them. So you know, in addition to being a lot more expensive, it also seemed to, in some ways, not even be a dock. It's more of like a um, extension. Yeah, it's it's a stand with cable management. Kind yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I like it a lot. All right. Um. And then my pick of the week, I will send you a link. Uh, have you ever seen the This Is Fine comic? Yeah, I have. 
Yeah. So there was a Kickstarter uh, earlier this year to get like a stuffed version of that dog. And he finally came this week. I, I saw that. You posted that to Facebook or Instagram, maybe both. I, I saw that and was wondering where you got that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good cap to the, to the year. Because hmm, okay. that, that, that's all we're going to have left in, tw- uh, in four years. <laughs> no, he's, su- he's super high quality. He's, su- he's super uh, squishy and, and very nice. And yeah, it, it's pretty cool. It came out really nicely. And I'm, and I'm glad because like a lot of Kickstarters, like this, this, uh, this could have been a, what was that thing called? The Ouya? Yeah. It, it, a lot of Kickstarters have the option, uh, have the, uh, could potentially go sideways. And, mm-hmm. and, this, and this dude's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's it. Well, he, he doesn't run Android or come with a funky controller, so... So he's he's better than the Ouya. Yeah. Is he better than an Xbox One? Uh maybe. Does he do 4K? Uh every he, he looks he looks very high resolution. <laughs> yeah, can't can't tell out a single pixel. What about HDR? Uh it, very very good color. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Full full 120 hertz. Yeah, that that that's going that's going to be a I think that's going to be a whole topic coming up here too. The me, the mess that is 4K and HDR. Mhm. Nope, the 5K I'm looking at looks just fine. (laughs) Yep. All right. Until next week. Uh, Until next year.